Hey, one more thing before you go. Would you like to learn how to rediscover four creative tools that you can use today to rediscover your long lost creativity? What if you had a formula that could teach you how to harness the power of creativity to improve your business, your life, overcome personal trauma and life's obstacles? Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with a man who has taught thousands of leaders and individuals across the globe how to do just that. And he's going to teach you. I'm yours, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Harnessing the Power of Creativity. It's our Friday night bonus episode. Nir, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You have an amazing journey. I know I said it before we started, but uh, you uh, have provided people with an opportunity. I mean, I'm a creative individual. That's why I'm a podcaster and a, and a vlogger. I've been a director. I've been a screenwriter, uh, produced documentary film. I'm a creator by heart. I love it. I think that it helps move our lives in a very positive way. I've used it in helping people to um, heal using the creative arts and healing. So from from the perspective of what you have deep in your mind and and you brought out, uh, I want to know more about you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how important creativity is in general, right, for the entire mm -hmm. world. And so my message is one of increasing creativity at work, especially making people more creative in their day-to-day -day endeavors. I think that the world needs more creativity now, and I'm so happy to be here to talk a little bit about it. This is great. Let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in, uh, I was born in Israel, and I grew up in Los Angeles. And I remember my first job was going door-to-door, -door, trying to get people to let me wash their cars. And you know, it was sort of the situation where this young kid's knocking on the door, right? And and all of nine years old going, oh, can I have your car keys so I can wash your car? And people are like, no, slamming the door and all of this stuff in my face. And I learned very early on that if you are going to do well in business, you got to be creative. You got to say, but wait, there's more. Or you got to say, hey, I've got a really great idea here. Uh, I can not only wash your car, but I can clean stuff up for you or clean out your trunk and this and that. And after many months of trying to figure out how to get somebody to actual actually buy, um, we, we ended up just it's saying, hey, we, we do car washes, but we also clean your trash cans and we also do this. And we started getting busier and busier as people started to say, you know what? Yeah, here, take my car keys or they let us clean out their trash. And then the next weekend they'd let us wash their car. So you have to be creative in order to do well in business. And I learned that from the get go. Yeah. And I think, I think that uh, adaptation is a, is a good thing. I think, you know, you get stuck into a, I mean, I was a police officer for, you know, I retired as a police officer actually. So within that realm, obviously, it's a very strict um, code of conduct. It's, it's like the military, same thing with the military, strict code of conduct. Your, your um, process actually is more freeing than that. 
it, it allows for you to adapt, correct? Yeah, it really is about adapting the change continually and knowing how to position yourself for success. A lot of people think creativity is about music or art or sculpture or dance. They're like, Nir, I don't dance. This isn't for me. And it's really not about that. It's not about the art. It's about using your mind to solve problems in ways that are very, very specific to your DNA. I believe that thousands of years ago, tens of thousands of years ago, our ancestors created a a life for themselves by being creative, right? So they knew, hey, if I were to take a spear and put it on the end of a stick, I can stay alive one or two more nights from a beast that was attacking. If I was creative, I was able to, you know, see a, a plant that no other animal would eat and I would take it and mash up the berries and make flour out of it or whatever it was. Mm. Wow. You know, I was able to survive. And so the nature of creativity is very much tied into our survival as human beings. There would be no us here today if our ancestors weren't creative. And so everywhere you look in history, you will find that we are standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. Just giants that have come before us, the founders of this country, for instance, and the philosophies that started that were all incredibly creative. Nobody had private property, right? Before what uh, John Locke came up with it in 1620. It's like, you know, there was a driver property, right? And so you can look on and on in, in, in medicine, in in different types of uh, manufacturing, different types of industries, financial services. And you see that we're literally on the shoulders of these giants that came up with amazing creative ideas. And here we are, we find ourselves in 2021 going, yeah, you know, COVID hit, everything's so bad. My life sucks. It's, it's awful. And that is not a creative mentality. The creative mentality is like, okay, this happened. Now what do I do? How do I use positivity to move forward? How do I come up with actionable items to grow? And so I think creativity is really all about solving problems in a way that have never been done before. And there is no better time to do that than now. Well, I agree with you. I think if, if if we hadn't had people looking outside the box like that from a creative perspective, I don't believe we would have a our, our cell phones in our hand. The the computer, the literal computer, that was is something like a hundred thousand times more powerful than what landed on the moon. Yeah, isn't you know, that crazy? In, in the palm of our hand. You know, it, it that's creative to me. That's a creative opportunity to say, Hey, how can I make this? I want to walk around with a computer in my hand. I want to be able to communicate like they did in Star Trek, you know. Right, I mean, that's it's kind of an old school, <laughs> an old yeah. school combination there. But um, you know, it 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 blows me away the opportunity. Everything that has come about, I think, today in society, space travel, rockets, um, uh, electric cars. That's all people looking Us. outside the box. It's incredible. You got to do it. And the problem is, Michael, and what I encounter, I do a lot of keynotes and I do a lot of consulting, right? I've, I've worked with companies all over the world from JetBlue to Microsoft. I'm doing a keynote in a couple of weeks for the International Auditors Association, a big 
biggest conference of the year. And every time I do these things, every single time, not just once in a while, not just, hey, you know, once a year, every single time I encounter people that tell me, near, that's somebody else's thing. That's not me. And this is a fundamental flaw in the way that we understand creativity, because we always think it's going to be Steve Jobs or that gal over there who's doing something crazy. Oh, that's not me. I, I don't do that. And what we are doing is we are cheating humanity out of the very gifts that every single human being on earth has. Every single being on human earth is endowed with this amazing creative gift. We all have it as children. Some of us lose it as we get older. Some of us, like you, mm-hmm. Michael, have kept it. Um, but most of us lose it as we get older. We we love analytics and stuff like that. And what we end up doing is we cheat the world out of a potential of innovation that lives deep within every one of us. And so we don't have the Star Trek communication yet, and we don't have a woman on Mars, and we have not cured all cancers yet. Easily, we could have done that by now, but we don't believe ourselves to be creative, and thereby we cheat out humanity of an opportunity of our own doing to solve problems in our own way that benefit everybody. And so I've spent my life um, on a mission to help increase the awareness of analytics are important, but also combining it with creativity is crucial. And so I'm on a life mission to elevate the genre of creativity so that people understand that it is as important as analytics in business and in industry so that we as a humanity can solve. Look at what happened so that we can solve amazing problems and difficult problems together. Look what happened with the COVID vaccine, right? Right. Nine months. Yes, there was years of research on it, years of research and, you know, SARS-2 and some of the other stuff. But you have Moderna, you have Pfizer coming together on two completely different tracks with the same foundation and coming up with a vaccine. I mean, that is that is innovation. That is creativity. We need that every day, not just during a crisis. We need it every day, Michael. And so I'm on a mission to educate the world in educate the people that I meet through workshops and and talking and keynotes and all this stuff on how important that is. Now, can I ask you this? Can can this uh, perspective on creativity help people not only in, in their work life, but in their personal life as well? Absolutely. I start at work because that is what my uh, gut has told me to do. And so I start with people mm-hmm. at work because they need actionable items that day that will solve a problem that comes up. And so the majority of my work happens in that sphere. Um, but absolutely, there are certain items that you can do that help you overcome a problem at work that work at home or in your personal life just the same. So like managing health or managing life's obstacles, so to speak, you can you can look at it from that perspective. If you're trying to overcome something like uh, a traumatic incident or a divorce or uh, health, things like this, we can utilize creativity in regard to helping us manage those. No doubt. And one of my favorite tools is the little victory. I talk about it extensively in the book, the 
Creator Mindset 92 Tool to Unlock the Secrets of Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. And there's 91 others, if this sounds good, but one of them is the little victory. And the little victory is all about small and measurable successes that get you somewhere. There was an ice cream salesman many years ago who sold wanted to sell a bunch of ice cream machines, right? And so he did what every salesperson does, analytics. I'm going to grab a list. I'm going to call an email, you know, and then volume, volume. Yeah, we're going to sell a bunch of machines, you know? And so his idea was, and so he hit the phones and he went and called people and, oh, yeah, yeah. And then for a while, he started selling machines, but then he flattened out. Every business flattens out if it doesn't inject creativity. The analytics can only get you halfway there, literally only halfway there. So he started flattening out and he was like, you know, why am I not selling more machines? And he kept getting a call from this one restaurant. They were like milkshake ice cream machine. And this one restaurant kept ordering them because they were breaking. They were liking a lot of ice cream. And so he went down there to check out what was going on. There was a, a, uh, a line around the block, 45 minutes. He waits in that line and he gets to the counter orders a cheeseburger and a, and a milkshake right and he has the best cheeseburger he's had in his entire life best cheeseburger ever and the guy's name was ray crock and that restaurant was mcdonald right so wow. had he have just stuck with his little victories with with his you know two-year or five-year plan whatever 10-year right. plan he would have missed the little amazing victories that were happening along the way. Most people would say, Nir, I'm not selling a lot of machines. Who cares about this restaurant that keeps ordering four? I need to sell 400. That's most mm -hmm. business mentality today. And what he did was say, wait a second, something special is happening here. Let's investigate that. And mm -hmm. because he celebrated those little victories, he went on to a bigger victory a hundred times, a million times greater than just selling a bunch of ice cream machines because that's what he set out to do, right? So I wonder, your listeners right now, I wonder what's going on in their lives that they could apply this to immediately. And you're talking about overcoming traumatic events and, and that kind of thing. It is all about inching forward. It is making progress one step ahead at a time, even if that step's a half step, even if it's a quarter step, even if it's a centimeter forward, measuring those goals, celebrating them and saying, you know what, I've moved a little bit forward today is an incredibly important mm. thing to do and thing to master. And once we master those, the goals that we have put ourselves on just might lead us in a slightly different direction than where we started. It, 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 you can overcome personal traumas like this. You can overcome the issue of distribution that you have at work. I can't get the distributors to move product quicker and they can't get into this market because of that reason. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then let's start looking at the little steps and maybe they're leading you to opening another distribution center. Maybe they're leading you somewhere that you didn't initially think. And that is an incredibly creative tool. Have you always been a businessman? Did you go to, did you go to university? I did. I went to undergrad at USC in Southern California, and then I went to graduate school at Art Center. And I've noticed my whole life that business and the way that we practice business, especially here in the West, has been a catalyst. There's no greater catalyst for change than 
entrepreneurship and ideas. And I fell in love with business because it was a breeding ground for change, for innovation, for profit. And you see all over the world conditions just rising, astronomically rising because of entrepreneurship, because of somebody doing a making some type of business with a great idea. And so mm-hmm. I think that the way that it stands now, we have the most powerful tool at our disposal, especially here in the US of change. And that is, and has always been business. You know, it is, I think we all strive, whether we're an individual that's starting out, um, like me, I'm, I'm a small business owner, I went from being a police officer, my life changed dramatically when I got injured. Um, I was diagnosed being a wheelchair for the rest of my life is sitting in the garage, uh, collecting dust, I'm proud to say, um, I had to reinvent my life. And in reinventing my life, I had to find a way that I could be positive and creative. So I understand where you're coming from, from that perspective, because I could people say, Well, why don't you become a consultant for the police department? Uh, but I found something better. If that makes sense, by, by looking outside the box, looking more into my creativity that I could share people's stories with the world that allowed people to move forward in a very positive way from, from different perspectives and manners. And if I had not taken my little victories, I'm just validating what you were saying. If I had not taken my little victories, my first surgery, um, walking to the bath, sounds silly, walking to the bathroom on my own after my surgeries, you know what I mean? Without having to have help, little things that just really kind of kind of expanded. How do you think, um, just briefly, because we want people to buy your book, of course, but uh, how, how do we uh, discover our creativity? So creativity is innate in the DNA of humanity, or else we wouldn't be here today. We'd all be dead, and there'd be another animal here on the podcast doing some kind of talk, right? So it's all within us. And as children, we all have it somewhere along the way we lose it. Michael, I have a four-year-old and we get gifts on Amazon. You know, the box shows up and he literally takes the gift out of the box and then he plays with the box for two hours. All right. So I ask you, what the hell happened to us? We used to love that kind of stuff, that imagination. We'd see a box. I see a box, right? I'm supposed to be a creativity expert. I see the box. I'm like, when's the recycle truck coming? I have to break it down, fold it up, put it in the thing, wait for the guy to come. Ah, you know, we have so many bots. And then he sees it as this magical landscape and, yeah. and a spaceship and all this thing. So we all have it in us. We just need to rediscover it. That's the that's the basis of my entire message. And there are ways to rediscover it, like using little victories, like Uh, I talk a lot in the book about the art of shutting up, right? This is generally not me. If I'm doing a keynote, I talk. If I'm doing some consulting, you know, I talk, but not a lot. I'm not the guy who's going to, you know, for eight hours on the stage somewhere. I'm a very, you know, I want to give people actionable items and let them think about it. And so we talk in the book about listening and how important listening is because sometimes when we're on endless meetings every day. Sometimes it's really important to hit the mute button. Just listen and really listen to what's going on. It's an active listening skill. What ends up happening is when you listen and you're not waiting to talk, your mind starts to understand what somebody's saying. It 
instantly goes into that creative mode that my son gets, you know, instantly, your mm-hmm. mind then will do that if you allow it to do so. And so there's a bunch of tools. Um, listening is, is, is a really good one. The language of positivity is another brilliant one, right? So I wrote a book with McGraw-Hill and I thought, you know, I can write anything and they'll publish it. Absolutely not. That everything had to be triple checked. They had to be verified and referenced and all that stuff. And so I wrote in the book, you know, that I thought that the English language had more negative words than positive. And it got flagged. And I got an email saying, Nir, you cannot say stuff unless you prove it. Okay. And you got to have three references for every point that you make. And it's got to be legit. And so I started to research it, right? I have a little team, very small, small but mighty team. And we started to research it and we found that, yeah, it's about six to one. Every negative word in English, there are six negative words for every positive word in English. So for every good, there's bad, ugly, terrible, horrible, and all that other stuff, right? There's six. That's the ratio of positive to negative. And then I thought to myself, ah, it's got to be English. Right. It's got to be the cold, rainy English skies, right? Of cold England. And yeah, you know, of course it sucks outside. And so <laughs> then we did some research and we found that it's in every single language on earth, right? About a six to one ratio between positive and negative. It's just one of those things. And so one of the skills that your listeners can do now is use the language of positivity. When you address a problem, when you look at something going on in your life, you get to choose every moment of every day how you address those things. And if you Mm -hmm. choose to address them negatively, you generate zero creativity, zero, zero potential to solve problems, zero potential to overcome. When you look at them with positivity, even if it's an ounce of positivity and pounds and and tons of negativity there. If you choose to focus on that little ounce of positivity, your brain goes again into that four-year-old mode that it allows you to solve the problem just by reframing the question, right? And so the language of positivity, active listening, little victories, incredibly important tool that you can practice every day in order to awaken the creative spirit that you've lost as a child. That's amazing. I think those are great. That's uh, profound, actually. Um, what, I know you talk about digital detox. Do you think it's important for us to take a digital detox? Absolutely. It's another another thing that I talk about in the book. Um, you know, walking away from your computer I'm in meetings all day. So every day in, in just in this last interview, there's two missed calls and, and a bunch of texts on the phone. So it is a bombardment nonstop of connectivity. The issue with that is yes, there's a lot of positives, but the problem is that the human mind can't focus on a bunch of different things at once. It can't multitask. You can only focus on one thing at a time, do it to its best ability and move on. And so when we allow for a digital detox, we allow ourselves to step back from the bombardment, the nonstop bombardment 
and allow ourselves kind of a refresh or a, uh, a time out, if you will. And so, yes, it is incredibly important to shut down your phone once in a while. I've started to shut it down at night when I never did before because I don't want the text messages. I don't want, hey, you know, make sure you bring this tomorrow to the, you know, to the client site or I it just I can do right. it tomorrow and make sure you bring this tomorrow morning works just as well as it did the night before. Right. So it is all about managing your time so that someone else doesn't manage it for you because we can very easily lose track of what we're doing and why we're doing it if we let someone else schedule our time for us. And it's it's really easy to do with our devices. So digital detox is incredibly important. I would start with 15 minutes a week if you can. 15 minutes, it's not a lot. Just shut down your machine for 15 minutes. Go away from your office. You're working from home. Go on a walk. Get out of that room. Just 15 minutes a week. And then try to up it so that you can generate creativity. That's a good thing. That's a positive thing. I think we get caught up too much in uh, allowing others, like you just said, to kind of control what happens to us. And they're so involved in theirs that it scoops us up into that environment. And and unfortunately, we kind of get drugged within that. And a lot of its negativity creates negativity. And as we both know, negativity builds on more negativity, positivity builds on more positivity. How do we motivate ourselves? So, uh, you know, some of the work that I do around motivation is the reduction of fear, as you've talked about earlier. Um, I, there's a, a chapter in the book about the one of the biggest things that ever can destroy humanity, and that's the fear that we have within us to not act. And once we start to learn how to deal with that fear, the motivation comes because we're no longer afraid. Uh, a lot of times motivation is one of those things that is inoperable because we choose to have fear instead of moving forward in to where we need to move into. So I talk a lot about how to reduce that fear so that motivation can arise Really, it, it, there, there are three methods that I talk about in the book. My favorite one and one that works really well uh, for people is the a visualization method that I talk about called the waterfall technique. Um, we've studied a lot of physics uh, for the book. I, I don't know how that happened, but there's, uh, water is a really interesting sort of molecular thing because it, it tends to just kind of flow over things regardless of what's before it, what's after it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting uh, in a, uh, not in a uh, physics way, but in a, in a very simple way, the, the molecules literally could care less what comes before it or what comes after it. And so I talk about a technique called the waterfall technique where you grab a pen and you literally just write down some ideas where you care not what comes before it and what comes after it. Right. It's just like a straight up getting it out session. Sometimes there'll be good stuff on there. Sometimes there'll be bad stuff, but it doesn't really matter. If you're fearful towards something, you write down, get a pen and a paper. I I found uh, several studies that show that when we write stuff down, not just talk about it or think about it, it activates a totally different portion of the mind that allows you to do things. So when you write that stuff down, you'll see that you get less and less fearful as things go on about what you were 
afraid of and it kind of empowered you to say you know what i'm ready to start moving forward or hey look i wrote something down that's very interesting this might be a potential idea for something so on and so forth it's really about training yourself to get through whatever's stopping you that works speaking of speaking of writing what motivated you to write this book I wrote the book because there is no books in the market about the how of creativity. Every book out there was the why. And why has been a very popular topic for the last 10 or so years uh, because there have been several books written about how important why is. Yes, why is super important. But now what? Why doesn't pay the bills? How pays the bills? And so I wrote a book showing people how to use creativity in order to get more creative. The how is the reason that I wrote this book. It is actionable item. Uh, People email me from all over the world saying there, I didn't even start at the beginning. I started at the middle, read the last chapter or read the third chapter. It's like, that's what it's meant for. It's meant to be a workbook. I got a photo with somebody who marked it all up and, you know, had sticky notes and all this stuff, post-its in it and circle. It's meant to be a guide. I'm not John Steinbeck. This isn't high-end literature. This is about, hey, you know, turn to page 196 and learn how to use process creatively, period. Highlight the stuff and move on. Go and try it at work. Oh, that worked for me. Great. Oh, that didn't work for me. Keep reading. There's another thing in there. Oh, yeah, great. It's meant to be a how-to guide, not a why guide. That makes sense. I like that, actually. Uh, A guidebook. I think we all need a guidebook in life. To help us through. Yeah, yeah. This is my Get Rich Slow book. Let's, what let's talk about. about Get Rich Slow is a good thing. I think too many people get want to rush. Slow. Yeah, they want to get, they want an overnight success. You know, I do I do talking within the podcasting community uh, itself, and everybody wants to be the next Joe Rogan. And it's like you have to work your way up there. You can't just do it overnight. Yeah, there there are no overnight successes. Everything in life is a process and following that process and learning and staying creative and ch- being willing to change depending on what the market is telling you and what the environment is doing is critical, critical. And so many people, oh, I, I don't want to change. Oh, I like what's going on. And, oh, you know, mm-hmm. how can I rebrand my podcast if I'm, you know, I've been doing it 10 years. It's like, yeah, okay. Are you where you need to go? Are you where you want to be? No. Okay, then it's time to change, you know? But we're so fearful and we're we're so afraid of taking that creative leap of faith and we need to do it. Absolutely, 100%. I agree with you. So let's talk about where to get your book and your services because you are a keynote speaker. You do provide services to businesses and to individuals as well as the book. Can we talk about that? Yes, sir. So the book's available anywhere that you buy books. It's at Barnes and Nobles across the country. Uh, in the bookstore, it's on Amazon. I'm very easy to find. It's nearbashan.com, N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N.com. I'd love to hear from you and, and your listeners. I do keynotes and workshops across the country for different organizations where we help people become more creative at work. That's amazing. And I will, I will make sure that, that those connections are within uh, the show notes as well. So for the viewers, you can take a screenshot of that or you'll find it in the show notes. 
as well as um, the ones that are listening on the regular podcast. I'll make sure that they uh, can contact you from that perspective. So, Nir, this is one more thing before you go. So, before you go, do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share? I think the one more thing before I go message would be that creativity sees a world that can be not what is. And imagine a life, imagine a environment at work where that is the truth. And if you are able to do that, you can have incredible problem-solving skills immediately available to you. So the one more thing before you go is remember that creativity sees a world that can be not a world that is. Amazing. Very profound. Nir, thank you very much for sharing uh, your journey, your experience, your wisdom with us. I, you've inspired me to move forward, and uh, I'm hoping that it will inspire all of our listeners and viewers as well. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One more thing before you go, a unique conversation about my podcast is a creative